Welcome to the official Barclays Premier League podcast, brought to you by Barclays. Hello, I'm Marcus Buckland. Welcome to you wherever you are in the world. It was a weekend where the league's young stars shone and none more brightly than Manchester United's Adnan Yanazai. He's going to be a great talent. I remember giving Wayne his debut, even people with Ross Barkley their debut, and Adnan's certainly that quality. Former United youngster Ravel Morrison lit up the lane for the Hammers. Rav's an attacking, creative midfield player that scores goals, and the goal he scored today was probably one of the best you'll see this season, and if he keeps his feet on the ground, he can only get better and better. And Arsenal's great young hope fired the Gunners back to the top. Maybe in the I wouldn't have hit it as I did in the first time, but I've always said that I wanted to score a few more goals and hopefully when you score one, a few more will come. I'm joined by former Chelsea and Everton midfielder Graham Stewart as we reflect on all the weekend's action. We speak exclusively to Fulham goalkeeper David Stockdale after their crucial victory over Stoke. West Ham legend Julian Dix joins us to discuss their superb 3-0 victory at White Hart Lane. We'll discuss Gus Poyet's new appointment as Sunderland manager and hear from Julian Lescott, Daniel Sturridge and Adam Lalana. And we talk to a lifelong Crystal Palace fan about an away day to remember at Anfield on Saturday. Hello and welcome back to the official Barclays Premier League podcast and hello to Graham. Hello Marcus, how are you? Very well, thank you. First new managerial appointment of the season has taken place. Gus Poyer confirmed as Sunderland's new head coach. What are your thoughts on that? Well, Gus Poyer has done terrifically well at Brighton, hasn't he? But this is a different level now. This is the Barclays Premier League. A good appointment, potentially, for Sunderland. But what a difficult job to step into. You know, one point from their first seven games. A host of um, foreign players that have come into the Barclays Premier League as well. So it's, it's going to be very, very difficult for Gus Poyer. You know, they're going to have to hit the ground running pretty quickly to get themselves back in touch with people. OK, well, we've got to start at White Hart Lane with arguably the result of the weekend as West Ham ended their barren away run to record that superb 3-0 victory at Spurs. I don't think anybody saw that result coming, Graham, did they? Not at all. I certainly didn't, that's for sure. An incredible result. Obviously, when you saw it unfolding, it was was a bit of a showstopper, wasn't it? Given Tottenham's home form, West Ham's away form, lack of goals as well for them. Sam Allardyce and his players must be absolutely ecstatic about that result. Yeah, West Ham without a win or a goal on their travels all season. Spurs have conceded just twice all season before the game. Let's get the reaction of the West Ham manager, Sam Allardyce, who felt understandably that his game plan worked to a tee. We drop front man out and play more uh, attacking midfield players from deep running forward. And I think that uh, two wide men in Vazte Stewart Downing who like to run down the line and run inside. And, and that means that the centre-halves would, would never quite know who they're coming across or who they're coming against. Ravel Morrison running at them. Uh, rather than normally just a front man up there on his on his own, like you know, and uh, and like I said, uh, you try these things, you hope they work. It's worked, and the players have made it work, and they've taken it on board, and they've executed it brilliantly today. And you can't say in the end we didn't deserve what we got. A very satisfied Big Sam. I'm delighted to say that joining us now is West Ham legend Julian Dix. Hello, Julian. Oh yeah. Stunning result. Did you see it coming? Um. The thing is, obviously, the form you'd expect Tottenham to win, but local derby, especially West Ham v Tottenham, anything can happen. And it, no, to be honest, it didn't surprise me at West Ham won, but it surprised me 3 0. And he obviously set up the side with a false number nine, as uh, Sam just spoke about. Then it, it worked a treat. Maybe it's something he'll do more often. 
possibly, but when you win, you can say anything you like. But again, obviously it worked, and obviously everybody's happy, especially the West Ham fans. Mm, first time that West Ham had won by a three-goal margin since October of last year. Ravel Morris and the name on everyone's lips. It was a pretty special goal from the 20-year-old, wasn't it? It was. I mean, he's, he's been obviously scoring regular, and he's obviously Alex Ferguson speaks highly of him as well. So, I mean, he's going to be a massive part of West Ham's season. Hopefully, um, we can keep him fit because um, he does look a fantastic talent. Mm, it was interesting to hear that Sir Alex apparently told Big Sam that if he could get Ravel under control, he'd have a top-class player on his hands. What do you think the secret of man-managing a, a young player like that is, Julian? Listen, the, the young people, the, the young men, we all make mistakes and he's made a few. I mean, if Alex Ferguson can't control him, then you think, well, who can? Um, but obviously, he's come to West Ham. He's playing regular. I mean, Sam's an experienced manager. And man-management, young players, is key because at the end of the day, luckily enough, he's done that and he's showing the rewards. He's scoring goals for us. Yeah. Well, the Hammers went into that game in the bottom three. Obviously, they've pulled clear now. How big is it psychologically for them to get out of trouble just before the international break? Obviously, you don't want to be in the bottom three at any time. We ain't had the best of starts. We had one or two decent results and obviously one or two has gone against us. And we've got um, some tough games coming up. And again, it's not about four or five games or ten. It's about the whole season. And again, this is a massive boost to West Ham as a team and as a club. Because, it is, I mean, to beat Tottenham 3-0 at White Hart Lane, it must give them massive, massive amounts of confidence. Yeah, and probably a bit of food for thought for Manchester City, actually, who you play next and who we know defensively have been struggling just a little bit. So that's quite an opportunity now, isn't it? Well, it is. I mean, to be honest, when teams come to Upton Park, it doesn't surprise me if West Ham beat any of them. They're going to go into this game full of confidence. And to be honest, I can see West Ham beating Man City at Upton Park. And just a final thought, Julian, West Ham finished 10th last season. What would represent success for them this time around, do you feel? Me personally, I mean, I said at the start of the season, I, I can see them finishing 10th or above. Yeah, we've had the poor start to the season, but as I said, it's, it's not about quarter season, it's about the whole season, and I can still see that. Sam, again, is an experienced manager. He gets his teams organised defensively. We've been struggling up front to, to score goals, um, obviously missing Andy Carroll. But he says, Ravel Morrison's come in, he's done a great job. Hopefully he can get Andy Carroll back playing again. And who knows, with them two up front, it could be could be a very good season. Absolutely. Listen, a Great pleasure to talk to you, Julian. Thank you very much indeed. Pleasure. Graham, it was a, an astonishing performance in so many ways. Do you think that might just set up West Ham now for the rest of the season? Well, I think it'll certainly give them a confidence booster, won't it? That's for sure. After, you know, a poor run of away results and Sam was talking about the system that he adopted there and I'm sure he wanted to make the midfield area tight and, you know, nice and solid and make things as difficult as it could be with the amount of midfield players they had on view and that starting eleven there. It was always going to keep it tight but allowed, you know, wide men the Stuart Downs of this world, the Ravel Morrisons, to get forward and get at Tottenham. And it worked an absolute dream. They had a purple patch mm. for, you know, what was it, 13 minutes, I believe it was, in that second half, and scored the three goals. And you, like you say, we've n- none of us saw that coming. Yeah, it prompts the question, who needs a striker? As for Spurs, well, the defeat drops them to sixth in the table and their manager, Andre Villas-Boas, admitted that the better team won. I think West Ham did extremely well in the second half. They looked very, very aggressive. Getting first to the ball, they deserved the, the result in the end. Uh, the problem today is that uh, every time we wanted to make uh, changes to come back into the game, they, um, they scored uh, once again. So the, the three goals came uh, in a very, very quick se- sequence, which didn't allow us to... Uh, to bounce back and to react.
Spurs' first term defeat since they lost to Fulham in March. And that was a similar game where, you know, the opposition put a lot of players between Tottenham and the goal. And they seem to have struggled down the years, actually, to break down teams who, who don't look to play at White Hart Lane. Well, that's going to be the problem for Spurs because now they're recognised as potential title contenders, certainly top four contenders. Clubs are going to go there and make it as difficult as they possibly can. Park the bus is the expression everybody uses, isn't it? And the likes of Manchester United and Chelsea have had to deal with that over the years. Tottenham, they're going to have to deal with it now and see what they can do and, and find a way of breaking teams down. It's the first goal is so important. If, if Tottenham get the first goal, obviously it makes their life a little bit easier because it makes the opposition come out and attack them again. Mm. But if they concede that first goal, all of a sudden, you know, you stands become a little bit uh, edgy and that can translate itself onto the pitch as well and make those players edgy too. VSB started with Jermaine Defoe ahead of Roberto Soldado. Were you a little surprised about that? I wasn't, to be honest with you, Marcus, because I think he deserves a starting place. His form has been excellent. He's got goals in Europe as well. So I think he did deserve a starting place. But it's always the same with Defoe. You, you, the temptation is always to start him, but he, it never really looks like it. You know, he, he's the same as when he comes off the bench or in, or in European competition. It's tough for him. I feel for him a little bit. And the defence, which had been so strong over the, the first few games, suddenly looked so shaky. I mean, conceding three goals in 13 minutes. Will they just put this down as a blip? Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. You put it down as a blip. They've had an outstanding start to the season. I'm sure AVB's more than happy with how things have been going. And it's one of those ones where you hold your hands up and say, look, we've had a bad 15, 20 minutes there and we're just going to have to take it on the chin. It's not ideal because you've got the international break and you've got a long time for it to fester. But, you know, I'm sure Tottenham will put it right. Well, as former Manchester United teenager Ravel Morrison was making all the headlines at White Hart Lane, 18-year-old Adnan Yanazai was putting his name on the footballing map as he inspired United to a crucial 2-1 victory over Sunderland at the Stadium of Light on Saturday evening. It was a superb performance from the Belgian-born youngster Graham and on his full debut as well. Another young man who, who deserved his full debut as well and... In some respects, Manchester United manager David Moyes didn't have too much to lose, did he? Because his wide men haven't really been performing. Certainly Ashley Young's been disappointing. You know, Valencia's not really pulling up any trees. So it was a great opportunity for the young man to go in and and we've seen in clips he's got great pace about him. He's very direct when he gets on the ball and he certainly showed that at Sunderland and got Manchester United out of jail. And this is what David Moyes had to say about his emerging superstar. He's going to be a great talent. I really mean it. I think he's going to be a special talent and uh, he showed that he's goals. He's got goals. He's got ability on the ball. You know, we'll keep his feet in the ground here. I remember giving Wayne his debut and uh, even people like Ross Barkley their debut and, uh, and Adnan's certainly in that quality. He's a top, top player. He really is a boy. I think every young boy wants to play for Manchester United. I've always thought that and uh, if I was a young player I don't see anywhere else better than Manchester United to go. Interestingly he's out of contract at the end of the season I suspect that United will be keen to pen a new deal as quickly as possible. Yeah well certainly they're in pole position to, to make sure that he doesn't go anywhere else but you know it's interesting I'm sure you know behind the scenes these agents have a habit of making sure that the best deal is, is forwarded to the youngster so I, I don't know I would imagine that Manchester United will try and tie that situation up as quickly as possible. Yeah having lost Paul Pogba to Juventus they won't want to, to see a repeat of that. 1-0 down at half-time, three consecutive league defeats were very much on the cards at that stage. Hasn't happened to United since December 2001. So just how important was it for David Moyes in particular to see his team turn it around like that in the second half? Well, it was hugely important, wasn't it? Because Sunderland, in some respects, have been the whipping boys of the Barclays Premier League so far this season. And, you know, you want to get your season back on track as Manchester United did. You didn't want to be going to Sunderland and losing. But that looked, you know, a possibility for, for a long period in that game. 
But United, we know that they're they're resilient. You know, they have got top players. They've had a difficult start to the season. New manager coming in and perhaps not picking up the signings that he probably would have expected at the start of the season. But you know, ultimately, they're going to be there and thereabouts come the end of the season. But that was huge, especially, as I say, again, going into that international break. Of course, a win masks a lot of deficiencies, but defensively... Have you still got concerns? Vidic and Jones all over the place, to be fair, in the first half, weren't they? Well, they were. I mean, everybody says, well, where's Phil Jones' best position? He's played full-back, he's played as a holding midfield player. But ultimately, I think David Moyes probably looks at him and says, look, I want him to play centre-half. But you've obviously got the Rio Ferdinand situation. And, and his partnership with Nemanja Vidic has been fantastic over the years. But it looks like that might possibly be coming to an end. Rio can't play the amount of games consistently that he's used to. You've got the Everest situation as well. Clearly, David Moyes wanted to bring Leighton Baines to the football club, so it you know, suggests he's not overly happy with Everett as well. So it could be a change of guard in the Manchester United back four. Yeah, uh, David De Gea's uh, superb save from Jacarini in the first half actually could just prove to be a key moment in the season. Yeah, that it? was an outstanding save, wasn't it, as well? And I mean, he's had his critics uh, you know, since he came to the uh, Barclays Premier League. But again, as a shot stopper, he's as good as it gets for me. And that was an absolutely outstanding save. And that ultimately, in some respects, got, you know, secured the points for them as well. As for Sunderland, fifth league defeat in a row, but perhaps they'll be able to take a lot more positives than negatives out of that match. Very much so. I mean, I think since Kevin Ball took over, you know, as a caretaker manager, they've kind of got back to basics. Catamol's come back into the side and, you know, we know that he's an effective central midfield player, very dogged and organised. And I think Kevin Ball has got the most out of his players. Unfortunately, that's not got him the job, but at least it's given them, you know, a base to work on from again. And, you know, you would hope that ultimately their home form is going to dictate how well they're going to do this season. It brings its own pressure when you're you're in front of your own fans, but they are very, very passionate, the Sunderland fans. And I I'm sure they'll get behind Gus Poy and his players and try and drive them through this difficult period. Of course, we started the programme by mentioning Gus Poy. Let's hear from the Uruguay now on the task ahead of him at the Stadium of Light. The idea here is to believe, to be convinced. I do believe that, that we can get saved. Now I need to convince the players. I need to convince everybody. I need to make sure that we, we understand all players, staff, fans, club, directors that... You know, we need to really believe in this uh, opportunity that we, we start today. It's too easy to talk now, yeah, I'm going to do this and that. I want to prove it. Well, Graham, we've mentioned what a, a difficult job he's got. I suppose looking long term, and maybe this is what Ellis Short has in the back of his mind, if they do go down, Poy at least knows exactly what to do to, to perhaps get them straight back up again. Yeah, there may be a little bit in that in his thinking. I mean, hopefully they can have a runner form and, and at least get themselves in touch and give them a chance. They did it last season under Paolo, didn't they? Paolo went in there and made a difference. And they'll be hoping that Gus has the same kind of effect to just get them back into the into the race to stay up, which is you know really and truly what they're in now. But if the worst does come to the worst, we've seen that you know at Brighton, Gus has uh, he has the capability. He knows the championship and would hopefully bring them straight back up. Coming up, we'll be hearing from Daniel Sturridge, Jack Wiltshire, and Tim Howard. You're listening to the official Barclays Premier League podcast with Marcus Buckland. To the Saturday lunchtime encounter next where Manchester City ended Everton's unbeaten league record with a solid 3-1 victory at the Etihad. City centre-back Julian Lescott felt they just about deserved to edge past his former employers. I think off the back of the last two results, it was important getting back to winning ways and we knew, you know, match Everton's desire and determination, we, it was going to be tough for us. It's not often we uh, equalise that soon after going behind, but again, it showed the character in the team. It wasn't the greatest performance, but it was more important to get the result today. On the whole, we had a game plan to uh, to match their determination throughout the game and say as, as we got on top, obviously uh, their performance may, may have dipped, but I just think that collective desire to, to win the game. 
Obviously, they were humbled by Bayern Munich at home in the Champions League during the week. How would you assess the way City are playing domestically at the moment, Graham? Well, they were my favourites before the season kicks off, City. I think they've got the strongest squad. And again, I think Pellegrini's in a difficult situation because I'm not 100% certain he knows what his best team is yet. You know, certainly in forward areas, Negredo, Dzeko, Aguero. What, what, you know, what do you do? It's, it's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Um, so I think he's trying to, still trying to find the right balance. Once he does and they settle down then I, I think they'll be the hardest team to stop. Mm, David Silver pulled the strings. Uh, Aguero, he's so good to watch up front. Actually missed a couple of presentable chances and, and then tucked away arguably the hardest one. Yeah, he did. I mean, you know, Aguero's a fantastic player for me and the problem is for Everton, you, you can't keep presenting him with chances, which is what was happening. And ultimately, he was always going to put one in the back of the net. And uh, he certainly did that. But David Silver, for me, makes a massive difference as well. I think his introduction, you know, in the Bayern Munich game made a big difference, albeit too late. But, you know, he was certainly always going to start for me against Everton. Mm. And Vincent company has been so influential at the back, but he limped off again, could be out for another month. That's not going to help them, is it? No, that's not going to help them at all, because I don't think Pellegrini's, you know, tossing up between Nostalgic and, and Lescott to partner him. Now he's going to have to pit the two of them together. Um, and he's, a, he's influential, he's the captain, and he looks like he's going to be out for, as you say, a, a month, Marcus, which is, is not good news because you want some consistency, especially in your back four. Well, as for Everton, that defeat sees them drop to seventh. It also ends the last remaining unbeaten record in the top flight. But goalkeeper Tim Howard was upbeat despite their first loss. I thought we played pretty well. Second goal was a bit of a killer. We're kind of uh, a bit all over the place in the back there for one reason or another. But nonetheless, we played well. Manchester City's a, a great team and they're, uh, they're one of the ones to be reckoned with. So it was never going to be an easy game. But uh, we, we've been playing well. The one game isn't going to knock the stuffing at us. We had a good start. Um, we continue to play well and obviously hopefully we'll get back after the break and put together another run. Spinning the positives and of course in Romelu Lukaku, they've got a, a man who is scoring for fun at the moment. Seven goals in his last six Barclays Premier League appearances. They do seem to have a, a proper goal scorer, don't they? I know, Everton have been screaming for a proper number nine, as it were, haven't they, for a number of years now and, and Lukaku coming has been a breath of fresh air around Goodison Park. It really has. Fans have reacted really well to him and I think he's reacted to the, to the players and, and the opportunity to play at a big club like uh, like Everton and, and not get his career back on track but certainly you know keep his learning curve going because it must have been a bit of a shock in some respects that Chelsea allowed him to go. I know an awful lot of Chelsea fans were stunned that Jose Mourinho allowed him to leave considering Chelsea's striking options but uh, he, you know he's gone to Everton and he certainly started uh, fantastically well for them. Yeah and they might have had a, a penalty for a, a push on Lukaku and of course City given a penalty for a, a slight tug on Zabaleta so a couple of uh, interesting yeah. decisions Yeah there. I don't think Roberto Martinez was too impressed with the referee I mean if you're going to give uh, the one on Zabaleta then maybe you've got to be giving the one on Lukaku as well but uh, you don't always get them away from home do you? You don't by the way uh, make sure you tune in next week we will be speaking exclusively to the Everton manager Roberto Martinez but to Anfield next where Liverpool continued their improvement under Brendan Rodgers with a comfortable 3-1 one victory over Ian Holloway's Crystal Palace. The Suarez and Sturridge show once again. Both players getting on the score sheet. Let's hear from one of these strike duo, Daniel Sturridge. We play very well together. We we look for each other on the football field. We work hard together and we're getting on very well and everyone helps us behind us and make our job easy. I thought we played some good football in the first half but took our foot after gas in the second half and they came back into the game and I suppose we were a little bit disappointed with the performance in the end but we got the result and we're happy with that. In nine Barclays Premier League starts together, Graham, they've now scored 12 goals. Suarez seven, Sturridge five. Is this turning Liverpool into genuine title contenders? Do you know what? There's every chance that it is, you know, because I think it's quite open, this, this Barclays Premier 
Premier League this season. It really is shaping up to be that way. We talk about partnerships and it genuinely is a partnership, which is something that you don't really talk about anymore in, in, in the modern day game because most sides play with just the one striker up top, don't they? But, you know, Brendan Rodgers has, has fashioned a system now with a three at the back that allows Suarez and Sturridge to play up top together and, and build that partnership and it's certainly working for Liverpool. Stephen Gerrard also popped up with his 99th Barclays Premier League goal from the penalty spot becoming the first Liverpool player to score in 15 consecutive top flight seasons. It's been a, a useful contribution from Stevie G down the years oh, hasn't it? More than useful hasn't it? I mean how many times has, has Stephen Gerrard rescued Liverpool in, in difficult situations and clearly has been one of the outstanding players in Barclays Premier League history for certain. Well as for Palace a four defeat in a row. There were signs of encouragement in the second half, which they won 1-0. And to discuss their second half improvement and the atmosphere at Anfield on Saturday, we are joined by Palace season ticket holder Pauline Mugridge, who travelled to Liverpool on the new Barclays bus. Hello, Pauline. Hello. Now, you were one of 80 Palace fans who were treated to free travel as part of the Barclays buses scheme, which will provide actually free bus travel for loyal Barclays Premier League fans for over the next three seasons as a thank you to away supporters for their commitment to the club. Must have been very pleasant to have your loyalty rewarded with a free trip to Anfield. Yes, I think it was a wonderful idea by Barclays to give us free transport. It is costly travelling around different parts of England and Wales now and it does help with the cost of it all. Of course you had the former Palace and England striker Ian Wright travelling with you on the Barclays bus. That must have been a great experience. Yes, because I've never met him before and I've seen him on and heard him on the radio. It was very good and he gave up his time for us. He did, he did a Q&A, didn't he, with the fans? Did you manage to yes. ask him a question? No, I didn't, no. Plenty of others did. So um, I enjoyed just listening to it all, and he was very frank, and it helped to <laughs> pass the time away. But no, he, he was very good. What sort of things was he talking about? He was about? asked about his favourite game and the time he was with Palace, and he told us exactly how he went off to Arsenal. I didn't realise there was property of say, Crystal Palace, and money came in from Arsenal, and he was told he was going to Arsenal. I was quite amazed at that. Well, my next question to you is about the actual match. I know it's not one necessarily for Palace fans to remember, but at least no. you didn't lose 9-0 no. like in 1989. No. <laughs> You're not to mention that, the number 9 <laughs> Sorry. to Ian Wright. It's 8 plus 1. <laughs> I thought that was quite good. It was a good game, and we, you can see improvements in the side. I mean, we had a game against Swansea, and that was dreadful. I've never seen such a bad match. But I felt at Liverpool, the, the team is gelling. I think the problem is we've got all these new players. And it, it's getting used to each other. Well, last season, when the championship, it was the same players. And they knew exactly what other players were going to do, passing. And I felt on Saturday, you could see an improvement in the side. You won't need me to remind you that you're second from bottom going into the international no, break. No, Just the one no. win so far. Do you think that Ian Holloway can somehow um, keep you up? I think he'll try his hardest to keep us up. It's very hard to play against these teams with all this money they've got to spend. But I'm happy that we've got an English uh, manager and we've got an English owners. I mean, they haven't got the money like the other clubs have got, but they've got Palace at heart and it was them that got us out of administration. And I think it'll be a fight to the end, but keep our fingers crossed that we can 
get up there, but we're nicknamed the Yo-Yos. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's very clear that you've got Crystal Palace close to your heart, and it's been yes. an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Good luck for the rest of the season, Pauline, and thank, thank you, you very, very much, much for joining us. All right, thank you. Pauline Mugridge, a Palace season ticket holder. And with this Barclays bus scheme in mind, we want you to tell us your favourite away day experience. Tweet us your stories at Barclays Footy with the hashtag YouAreFootball or post them onto the Barclays Football Facebook site. Well, the win against Palace put Liverpool top, but only for 24 hours as Arsenal regained their place at the summit after a battling 1-1 draw at Inform West Brom on Sunday. The Baggies opened the scoring. Jack Wilshire rescued the Gunners with a second-half equaliser, despite having to play in an unfamiliar role. I'm not used to playing on the wing. I'm still getting used to it. I'm still learning it. And then, but, you know, I'm happy to do it for the team. You know, I'm a part of a, a really good team here, so it's, it's tough, you know, to get, to get your place. But, you know, I got a goal, which was nice. Maybe in the past I wouldn't have hit it as I did, you know, first time. But, you know, it just fell to me and I thought, you know, I'm going to hit it. And, and luckily it went in. I've always said that I wanted to score a few more goals and, and hopefully, you know, when you score one, a few more will come now. It was actually his first Barclays Premier League goal in almost three years. Not necessarily his best or Arsenal's best performance, but do you think that was a pretty significant point to pick up in the circumstances? Yeah, I think when you weigh everything up and the fact that West Brom were full of confidence after a magnificent result at Manchester United, it was always going to be a tough afternoon for the Gunners. But, you know, if you're going to win titles, which obviously Arsenal fans are starting to think is a possibility this season, you know, you look back at those kind of afternoons and think, well, it's probably not a bad point away at West Brom. I know Arsene Wenger's um, not often a fan of international but actually this one seems to be coming at just the right time for them with a few players close to returning from injury. Yeah, it's difficult for all kinds of managers at the moment. I mean, if you're Sam Allardyce, you want to keep the momentum going of a magnificent result from White Hart Lane. But the difference for Arsene Wenger, as you touched on, Marcus, is the fact that it just gives that extra week, 10 days or so, for the players to get that full fitness back and, and be available for selection. And all of a sudden, he's got selection headaches after you know an awful lot of us questioning whether they were you know had their strength in depth to mount a challenge. Yeah. Uh, congratulations, by the way, to Arsene Wenger, who's been named the Barclays Manager of the Month for September. And Aaron Ramsey, no surprise here, has been named the Barclays Player of the Month. Become a prolific goal scorer. It's been a fantastic yeah. start to the season. For well, him, he, he's played very, very well. I mean, there's always been talk about how good a player Aaron Ramsey is. And he's been incredibly unfortunate with his injuries, which have held him back. But he has been absolutely outstanding for Arsenal at the start of this season. And Arsene Wenger, he'll be delighted with his trophy for the Manager of the Month. But got to be careful, haven't you? Because it's always the kiss of death that isn't it any silverware is good for, for <laughs> Arsenal at the moment uh, for West Brom the draw extended their unbeaten run in the league to four matches moved them up to 12th and goalkeeper Boaz Myhill felt they perhaps should have held on for the win yeah I mean obviously when you're ahead against a, a team like this you, you kind of dig in and I mean I felt we gave more going forward again as we did last week but obviously disappointing really to, to give away maybe what you're saying good three points and then we'd limited them to minimal chances before that as we did last week again so it's we're building obviously we can take momentum for this going into the international break which is key for us. Yeah, point was good. Three would have been even better. Nicholas Anelka against his, his former side had a couple of chances to win the game, didn't he? He certainly did and, and really and truly a sharp Nicholas Anelka puts those in the back of the net, doesn't he? And West Brom go away with you know another three points from a, a side that uh, are up the top of the table. So it's a shame in that respect, but I'm sure Stevie Clark, after the first few games of the season and seeing the fixture list saying Manchester United away, Arsenal at home, if you'd have offered him four points out of those two games, he'd have taken them all day long. Yeah, and, and some good signings in the summer as well. Morgan Amalfitano uh, scored two, assisted a couple as well in just four Barclays Premier League games. He looks to be a very, very useful addition, oh, doesn't he? I like the look of him, Amalfitano. He's, he, he looks a really, really good player. Brilliant goal at Old Trafford last week and another good performance again at, at the Hawthorns this week. So a real decent player for them. Well, still to come, we'll hear from Tim Krull, Jose Mourinho and Adam Lalana. But it's time now for our halftime tweets. Hey, hey! 
We start with Chelsea winger Andre Schürrle, who tweeted after the win at Norwich, important three points, it was a great fight with your great support, hashtag blue family, hashtag be happy. It's fair to say the Spurs winger Andros Townsend is definitely not happy having lost at home to West Ham. Apologies to any fan that paid good money to watch that. We'll come back stronger for sure. Scoring a wonder goal in that match was 20-year-old Ravel Morrison, whose former teammate Rio Ferdinand gave this glowing review. Great to see Ravel playing well and focused consistently now. That strike wouldn't even make his top three goals showreel, by the way. Another youngster heading to the top is Manchester United's Adnan Yenizai. Arsenal fan talk to Rinzo asks, could Yenizai be the best thing in the Barclays Premier League? And finally, the best thing for Fulham was simply winning a Barclays Premier League home match. Midfielder Patim Kasami tweeted, a great win today. Big thanks to the supporters for sticking by the team. Remember, you can keep up to date with everything that's going on in the Barclays Premier League by following at Barclays Footy on Twitter, hashtag YouAreFootball. I'm here with Graham Stewart as we continue our look back at all the weekend's top flight action. To Craven Cottage next, where Fulham recorded that crucial 1-0 victory over Stoke to move them out of the relegation zone and relieve some of the pressure on manager Martin Newell's shoulders. Winning the three points showed that it's fantastic, you know, especially after a game like this. You can't say that they played fantastic, but I thought they were the better team on the other hand. We could have scored one or two, and especially at the end, we could have scored a second one. We didn't. On the other hand, we've got the likes of Berbatov and Darren Ben to score goals, and that is what they should do. And if, if Berbatov doesn't score the goals, uh, you could end up with a problem. That is why I'm very happy, you know, that, uh, that Darren Bent is here, and he showed that with a goal he scored. That was in the end the, the winning goal. A very relieved Martin Yell. I'm pleased to say that we can now talk to one of the players who helped Fulham get those three points on Saturday, goalkeeper David Stockdale. Thanks for joining us, David. No worries. Your first win in the league since the opening day of the season and you could see just what it meant to everyone at the club. Yeah, definitely. It was um, much needed for the, the confidence of everybody. I felt that we could have had a few more points on the board before, but it wasn't to be. And to be able to work hard and get those three points on Saturday before the international break was a, a big thing for not just the club, for everyone involved. What did Martignol have to say after the match? Obviously, he was under a fair bit of pressure before it. Well, you couldn't really tell he was under pressure because he, um, he holds it well and basically just said, keep doing what we're doing and, and it'll come through. And we tried to work hard for him and obviously the scrutiny that not just him because it's not just him as a manager it's us as players that should be get, receiving the, the bad press as such and then we just wanted to turn things around and get it back to normal how, how we know we can do Of course Darren Bent came off the bench to score the winner with less than 10 minutes to go now only Robin Van Persie Wayne Rooney and Frank Lampard have scored more than Bent's 105 goals in the top flight so clearly it's great to have a striker of that calibre at the club Definitely well we've not just got Darren we've got a few Berber Darren, Adil, fortunately, we go through lean patches in, in our careers and, and so have Darren been able to get back to full fitness, obviously not playing as many games as he liked in the last few years. I'm sure he'll get 15 if he carries on the way he is. Now, before the weekend, you'd only managed to pick up one point in your previous seven league games at Craven Cottage. Can you use this result as a chance to kickstart your campaign? Definitely. I um, think a lot of people around the club thought that would use the Calling Cup against Everton as a kickstart, but it wasn't to be. Cardiff result didn't go our way. We we didn't play well enough, but we didn't feel like we deserved to lose. Look, we're working hard behind the scenes to try and rectify the problems that the manager sees, and we try to work as hard as we could against Stoke to put those right, and hopefully things are starting to fall into place a little bit. I know that Martin Yell's targeted a top 10 finish. You're confident you've got the players to achieve that? Definitely. The club's only been out of the top 10 maybe twice in the last five years, I think. 
But I think Martin Yeo's been realistic, but we're not being overzealous about where we think we might be. We're just taking it time after time and things will start to settle down and then January comes. So, look, I think it's a realistic goal and we're all fighting to get to there. And David, as a fellow goalkeeper, do you sympathise with Manchester City's Joe Hart, who's obviously had a bit of a tough time lately? Uh, yeah, I, I totally do. Everybody goes through um, bad patches as a goalkeeper, and if, if they say they don't, they're, they're liars. I know John is he's, he's a big enough character, and he'll, he'll bounce back from that. And the point is, we, we were talking about him being the best goalkeeper, and, it, and things don't change. Just because he, he's made a couple of errors, that, that doesn't change my opinion. He's still one of the best. And just a couple of Twitter questions to finish. First of all, at RyanFFC97 asks, do you hope to play for England in the future? Every boy wants to play for the country and luckily I've been close to that but never got on the pitch. So it's not something I think about day to day. It's more when I'm playing and hopefully get a long run of games and then hopefully in the future get involved and then hopefully be lucky enough to get on the pitch. And finally, from at Diego Fulham, you've been through the entire English Football League ladder. What makes the Barclays Premier League outstanding? The play, how quick it is, and the tactical and technical ability of players nowadays is second to none. And that's why it's one of the best leagues in the world. And obviously, each league in England has its own own ways of being magical. But obviously, the Premier League, everybody knows worldwide that the ability of the players in are second to none. So. I've got to go with how good the players are. Brilliant. David, thank you very much indeed for talking to us and good luck for the rest of the season. No problem. As for Stoke, well, it was a, a tough defeat for manager Mark Hughes to take. In terms of the, the game itself, I think we were the more dominant side and that's encouraging for us in terms of away performances. But we're just desperately disappointed and upset that we haven't been able to get something out of the game. Minimum requirement today was at least a draw, if not the win. So uh, to get absolutely nothing from the game is, uh, is hard to take and I think Fulham will count themselves quite lucky today. Yeah, they did have two very good penalty appeals turned down, so you can understand why Mark Hughes was more than a, a little disappointed there. Yeah, again, it's like I said earlier, I mean, you don't seem to get these penalty decisions go your way when you're away from home, do you? And I think Stoke certainly could have had one of them at least. And Mark Hughes, you could hear in his voice there how disappointed he was because they did start the season relatively well. And it's, you know, three consecutive defeats and it just shows what it does to you. You know, you can be in the heady heights of the top six and all of a sudden now they're down into 16th place. So, you know, a bit of pressure on them again now to once the international break finishes they've got to start all over again and, and get the season up and running Well another team to register a crucial three points at the weekend were Newcastle who bounced back from their Monday night defeat at Everton with an impressive 2-1 away win at Cardiff Alan Pardew Graham like Martin Yole supposedly under a lot of pressure going into the game so three big points for him as well Yeah I mean Alan Pardew a, a, another manager was feeling the heat a little bit I mean I was at Goodison Park for the game against Everton last week and Everton were magnificent in the first half and Newcastle were equally desperate in the first half but they came out fighting and got a couple of goals and they obviously took that second half performance into what arguably was, was Newcastle from in Alan Pardew's eyes the best away performance that he's seen for a long time from them so a difficult place to go to as Manchester City have found out and Everton have only picked up a point there as well so Newcastle be absolutely ecstatic with three points there Let's hear from the Newcastle goalkeeper Tim Krull he's been really impressed with the impact of their match winner at the weekend loan signing Loic Remy Yeah He's a fantastic player and I've seen him last year at QPR, he's done the same thing and uh, thankfully he started uh, straight away for us as well. It gives us a lot of confidence this, uh, this away win. We needed uh, 
a good reaction. After two uh, heavy games in the Premier League and bad results for us, we needed to come back. And Cardiff City away is not easy, but I think we duck it out, especially the second half. I think a few boys had cramp and uh, we did really well. Five goals in three games uh, for Remy. He's made an impact at just the right time, hasn't he? He's a very good player again. Simple as that. He's a goal scorer. I remember Joe Royal saying to me when I was at Everton, he said, you're only as good as your strikers. You think about it and it's a fair answer, isn't it? Because if you've got somebody who's banging 20 goals a season in for you, you're very rarely going to get relegated with somebody who's doing that. That's an interesting quote from Joe Royal as a former striker. You can see where his priorities well, are. Well, you know, he was slightly biased, Joe. We'll have to admit that, won't we? As for Cardiff, what a second home defeat in a row. It leaves them in 14th place. They did come back well in the second half. Jordan Much has made an impact, hasn't he? And, and Peter Odomwingi with his first goal as he, he looks to revitalise his career. Again, similar kind of player in some respects to Remy. Comes alive in the box, nice and sharp, and he'll be ecstatic to get off the mark. And they've done okay in O'Cardiff, but again, like we always say, you're two defeats away from being in the bottom three, aren't you? Yeah, you can never afford to relax, that is for sure. Well, from Cardiff to Carrow Road, where Chelsea left it late to overcome a spirited Norwich 3-1, thanks to goals from substitutes Eden Hazard and Willian. Jose Mourinho was asked afterwards if managers should be allowed to take the credit when they make changes that win the game. It's up to them. I always say, uh, when I make a change, the change is always fantastic. They make it fantastic or they make it rubbish. <laughs> but when I make the change, it's always fantastic. So it's up to them. I'm so happy, especially for kid uh, William, because he's starting. And then he's not 100%. He was injured. And when the situation was difficult, he came in to give us a push. Well, it was certainly a dramatic end to the match. Those winning goals coming at a time when Norwich were on top. So it was a case of genius substitutions or did Mourinho just get lucky, Graham? No, I think it's a little bit of genius. I think credit to Jose Mourinho. I mean, he's never backwards in coming forwards in explaining how good he is, is he? But, uh, you know, in fairness, in this situation, I think he's absolutely correct. Norwich were on top, as you mentioned, Marcus, and Chelsea needed to do something. They needed to change the way the game was going. The impact that he wanted was delivered by those players. Yeah, it was a stunning goal from Willian, who is one of many attacking midfielders in the squad. Do you think there's a danger that actually they've almost got too many players like that, which is muddying the selection policy? Like I said about Pellegrini at Manchester City, I think Jose Mourinho's still trying to find his best starting eleven. You know, there's been an awful talk about Mata uh, not being in the side to start off with, but Mata seems to have won over Jose at this moment in time. Is Oscar the best one behind the front man, or should that be Mata? Scherler seems to have been playing on a regular basis. He seems to be getting better. But they've got an awful lot of midfield attacking players all can do similar kind of jobs the problem for me for Chelsea is their front man and who's the top man and who's going to score the goals because everybody else is chipping in but your front men aren't scoring goals of course Denver Barr uh, started and, and actually looked pretty good I'm going to put you on the spot here as a former attacking Chelsea <laughs> midfielder if you were still in the side who would you like alongside you and who would you like up front Lukaku <laughs> but he's at Everton it's a tough one I mean if you're putting me on the spot and saying who's been in the best form I'd have to go with Torres as much as he's not scoring goals on a regular basis I think his work rate was good and he was really sharp in that game against Tottenham up until he got himself sent off so I would at this moment in time favour Torres of course he's um, injured and suspended at the moment and, and in terms of those players around you I mean it's it's such a great choice to have in so many ways isn't it well it is I, I think William will come through to, to be a regular starter I think it's been a difficult start for him to adapt him but I think he's got the ability to stay in that Chelsea starting 11 I would personally always have Matter behind the front man because I think he's their best player and um, Eden Hazard pretty much picks himself if he's fit 
Well, it was Chelsea's first away win of the season. Takes them up to third in the table. Norwich now in the relegation zone. Mind you, only on goal difference. And Chris Hutton can presumably take a, a lot of encouragement from that second half display. Yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, when, when you go down by a goal to Chelsea, the pressure really is on you. And it's very, very easy to fold and to think, you know, we've got to score two goals to get back and win the game against Chelsea. That That's a monumental task. They got themselves back into it with the equaliser. And then they were the side that was pressing forward and, and really and truly looked the more likely side to go on and win the game so Chris Hutton will be delighted with the reaction of his players he'll be disappointed that ultimately they've come out of a good performance with no points Well level on points with Chelsea are perhaps the surprise package of the season so far Southampton the Saints moved into the top four behind the Blues on goal difference after beating Swansea 2-0 at St Mary's the scorer of their opener Captain Adam Lallana This is part of my game I want to work on and I want to get more goals I should get more goals and um, I said I'm delighted to to, to get uh, my first of the season today and hopefully more to come the back four uh, performed superbly and, and especially uh, Boric and goal. I said he, he made a few fabulous saves um, but it's, it's, a, it's our third win on the bounce and hopefully we'll continue uh, the momentum after the international break. Well he mentioned uh, Artur Boric, uh, Saints with the best defence in the Barclays Premier League, considered just two goals in seven matches which obviously helps you push up the table. Very much so, I mean that, that would surprise an awful lot of people, I mean if you pose that question who's got the best defensive record so far in this Barclays Premier League, not many people would come out and say Southampton, so great credit to everything that they're doing down there on the south coast because you know for them to be sat fourth place is, is, is a remarkable effort and you know they'll be looking to progress I mean I can't see them staying in the top four but certainly if they finish in the top half they'll be ecstatic couple of stats worth noting this time last season they'd already conceded 20 goals and the last time they conceded just two in their opening seven top flight fixtures was in 1983 when they eventually finished second bit of a contrast for Swansea who won only one of their last four league games they've dropped to 15th inevitably people are saying that playing in Europe is having an adverse effect on their league performances. Yeah, I think it's always the worry, isn't it? When you get into that Europa League, playing on a Thursday night and doing an awful lot of travelling and Sunday games coming thick and fast and what have you, it's it's stretching the squad, isn't it? And that's the biggest issue, I think, that uh, the Swansea players and Michael Loudrop have. But it's a case of getting used to it as well. And I'm sure they will because they're a, they're a really good side, Swansea, I think. And I think it's a, a blip more than anything else. OK, well, we'll round off our weekend review with a, a rather uneventful nil-nil draw between Hull and Aston Villa at the KC Stadium. The Villa defender, Kieran Clark admitted a draw was probably a fair result. It's a tough game, I'm sure, for both teams. First half, we had a lot of possession. Maybe didn't create as many chances as what we would have liked. But, you know, we kept their chances to minimal as well. And, um, you know, it's a second half turn, quite scrappy. And I think both teams were a bit on edge then and no one really wanted to lose the game. And maybe the point was, you know, a fair result in the end. Well, ahead of the fixture, Hull with 42.7% and Aston Villa with 39.9% held the worst average possession figures in the Barclays Premier League. And with those stats in mind, Graham, it was perhaps not the most surprising scoreline of the weekend. I think Aston Villa in my eyes were slight favourites because I feel that the way that they play with their counter-attacking style lends itself obviously to playing away from home where perhaps the, the home side are pushing you know, pushing forward and, and allowing them to catch them on the break but I think Benteke missing for Aston Villa is causing them a bit of an issue. You can perhaps get away with it for one or two games but when it comes any longer than that it becomes difficult for you as a side to go away from home and win games of football. Just one tweet um, after that game from Hull's Tom Huddleston. Another point on the board tough game against a good Villa side but keeps just ticking over and another clean sheet at the Curtis Davis Bravo. Well, that's uh, just about it uh, for this week. No Barclays Premier League matches this weekend, of course, because of the international fixtures. So before we go, Graham, your 
highlight of um, what was a very interesting weekend. It was an interesting weekend and we've seen over the last few weeks that there's surprise results popping up left, right and centre and for me the outstanding result of the weekend and the highlight was Ravel Morrison's goal and, and West Ham's away win at Tottenham 3-0. Mm, I thought you'd go for that. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> My for pleasure. Company. been uh, great to have you along. Just before we go, have a try at this week's trivia teaser. Adnan Yanazai is the second Manchester United player to score twice on his Barclays Premier League debut for the club who was the first if you think you know the answer tweet it to at Barclays footy or post it onto the Barclays football Facebook page and we will reveal the answers on the site later in the week so as I mentioned no Barclays Premier League fixtures this weekend due to the International World Cup qualifiers but we will be back next week for a special show where we'll be reflecting on the first seven games of the season and talking exclusively to the Everton manager Roberto Martinez about his start to life at Goodison Park but until then from Graham Stewart and me Marcus Buckland goodbye you've been listening to the official podcast of the Barclays Premier League brought to you by Barclays